All right, another great interview for you guys today. Drew Curtis, founder of FARC.com, and now your new gubernatorial candidate in Kentucky. Really? Running for governor of Kentucky. Drew, what in the world are you doing? Yeah, uh, I've had a lot of people ask me that since I'm not exactly a politician. Um, But it sort of came about uh, as a discussion about the quality of the candidates that we have running. And um, my analogy is is that the political parties, like them like child stars, uh, are to Disney. They want you to be sort of popular but not good enough to command your own contract. And, And as a result, we get sort of a leadership gap with being backed by parties that really just want to loot the Treasury. And that seems like a terrible way to run government. So I got challenged by some friends. They said, look, you could probably do this and you're bulletproof as far as, you know, online criticism goes, having run FARC for all these years. And they're like, yeah, you're an extrovert. So, you know, take a shot at it. So I started working on it and started getting some traction. All right. So I want to come back to the Kentucky governor's risk because it's, of course, fascinating. But first, let's let's go to FARC uh, and how you got started, what it is. For the people that don't know, because the intersection of those two things is is even more interesting. So uh, what is FARC.com? When did you start it and why? Yeah, so FARC is what if the Daily Show ran the Drudge Report, which is not the best example necessarily because it sounds like, oh, I'm comparing myself to two awesome things. Well, we started in 1999 when everybody was small, so it's not necessarily the worst comparison. Um, it's essentially the stuff that I find in the morning read that we all do when we get to work. Um, except I started posting it on a website almost 17 years ago. Um, and this was even before, you know, social media and SEO. And over time we built up a community around the, you know, the possibilities of, you know, what's going on in the news cycle. And over the years we changed. It used to just be only weird news. And now it's all the news. Some of it's weird, uh, but trying to sort of apply a contextual overlay um, using comedy, basically making the news cycle funny. And how big has it gotten? So we got to about 3 million uniques, actually, which uh, and then just sort of stayed there, mostly because uh, Facebook and Twitter hit right around the same time, so everybody got distracted. Um, but it's uh, it's been pretty much the same size for years now, and it's uh, it's doing well, actually. I mean, it's uh, I, I did a, a thing up at a Indie PopCon over the last weekend or so and did a, did a FARC meetup and had 50 people show up and yeah, it's 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 kind of wild. Uh, I got another one coming in San Diego actually this week uh, to launch a beer with Stone Brewing Company called Stone Farking Wheaton Woodstout. With Will Wheaton? Yes, correct. Uh, it's a collaboration ale with Stone. This is the third version of it. They're trying to make it into a regular product, but it's a little complicated because the profile is Derby Pie, and there's some strange ingredients in that. <laughs> okay, interesting. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Uh, well, those are two things I enjoy. Uh, your website and Will Wheaton, uh, who we've also interviewed here, so uh, worth checking out the beer. So uh, what does FARC mean? Um, it's essentially, initially it was just another way to say the F word without getting caught in a, in a swear filter. But uh, what, I, what I tried to make it mean over the years was is that it was news articles that are in the news cycle that shouldn't be news. But that's sort of gotten lost over the years because, I mean, it, the news cycle has turned into just that, which has been kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so can't say that it isn't the news anymore. So, But that was our, our slogan was, it's not news, it's FARC. Um, so that's, that's mostly what it means. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if some people ask me if, I'm, if I call myself a journalist. In the old days, no way. I would have just said I'm a talk show yeah. host. But the state of journalism has gotten so bad, they might have dipped below me. 
<laughs> yeah, I actually agree. In fact, uh, I've been arguing for a while that what journalism is missing out on is they're supposed to apply context. They're spending all their time scrambling around trying to find, you know, the thing that's hot. But the thing that's hot, it doesn't matter. Like, tell me why I should care about the Afghanistan war. That's your job. And they've kind of lost their way on that. I mean, I can't complain. It's not like I'm good at it either. But it, it turns out if you look at like what John Oliver's doing, like if I was going to take FARC into another direction, that would be the way is to use comedy as a way to explain to people why they should care about important things. Yeah, th- there's definitely some irony there, Drew, in, in setting up a site that focuses on the FARC while, while criticizing the media for overly focusing on FARC. Yeah, well, here's the example I would use. It's like I like McDonald's, but if I ate there every day, I would die. Uh, and I would like, if you're going to be serving up food to me, don't pretend that it's nutritious. And that's sort of the problem with mainstream media right there. So it's not that there's not a place for it. It's just, I mean, you know, I, the way I keep telling them when I go to the Pointer Institute is, you know, you talk about Walter Cronkite and Edward R. Murrow as being these, you know, these great f- figureheads of journalism, which they are. But what they were doing was is they were making us care about things that nobody cared about. Walter Cronkite made us care about the Vietnam War in a way that nobody else could. And that is journalism. It isn't finding the hot thing. It's finding the thing that's important and explaining to people why. So, But, you know, I mean, like I said, it, the reason why nobody does that is because it's hard. So I get it. You know, no big deal. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and a lot of people also make the mistake of thinking, well, Walter Cronkite uh, and Edward R. Murrow, they were super objective robots, and that's why they did great. That's actually not true. Sure, Walter yeah. Cronkite's most famous moments are when he cried when uh, JFK uh, got killed uh, mm-hmm. and when he said, yeah, Vietnam's not working out. And Yeah, and- he was a good explainer. That was his, that was his skill. And uh, I think, like I said, the problem with it these days is that most news outlets run on algorithms. And you can't program an algorithm to do context. I've actually looked into it. Uh, I've been told, actually, if we get a little more computing power online, maybe, because it's like one more exponential jump beyond, you know, just figuring out what people are looking at. Right. Absolutely. So, all right. So you, you've got a, this super interesting uh, take on the media. And then uh, you decide to run for governor. Um, first, where are you in that process? What, when is the race? Who are the other possible candidates? What's going on? Yeah. So it's for the state of Kentucky. The election is in November 2015, so it's an off-off-year election. And there's no incumbent in the race. Uh, the Republican candidate won the primary by 83 votes. The Democratic candidate is an establishment guy that nobody's excited about. And uh, it's, it's sort of wide open in the sense that this is prime time for somebody to jump in and go, hey, are we all tired with how things are going? Anybody think government's working out for you? You want to try something different? You know, elect a guy that understands technology. We'll see how it goes. And th- those are the basic pitches. Um, in order to get ballot qualified, I've already filed, and nobody else can file. Uh, I need 5,000 signatures to get on the ballot. I have 5,000 signatures as of this past weekend. But they, uh, the Secretary of State's office is run by a Democrat, and they're concerned I'm going to pull more votes out of that guy. So they're going to fight like crazy to make sure that I don't qualify. So I'm going right up to the deadline in August and going to deliver as many signatures as I can, hopefully 10,000, twice as many. And at that point, I'm on the ballot, and then we'll just see where it goes. But uh, for somebody who has had $0 media spend and is not a statewide household name, the first poll had me at 6%, which I think is the percentage of people in the state that know I'm running. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's, uh, with, with 21% undecided, it looks pretty good to me. Uh, do we yet know whether Ashley Judd will endorse? Uh, I would totally take it. I have no idea if she would or not, uh, but I'm definitely going to check it out. So yeah, I would take it, like I said. Okay. Uh, I don't know why you say the Democratic establishment in Kentucky 
uh, is not good enough when they have candidates like Allison Lunger and Grimes running against Mitch McConnell. Who- yeah, actually, well, even the Republicans have the same problem. It's like other than, I mean, we you, everybody's heard of our senators, but after that, it's like, yeah, you know, there's some guys out there. And, and the reason why is because, you know, I, I think that especially the Republican Party has learned with Rand Paul that it's possible for a politician to get powerful enough to start changing the entire operation of the political machine. And I don't think they want that at all. They'd rather just take the money out easily and just sort of go about their business. Um, and I will say, like, along those lines, as I've been digging into sort of the way that government works and policy and all that, I'm kind of shocked at how obvious all the corruption is. Like, they're not even trying to hide it. It's kind of ridiculous. So t- tell me more about that. What do you mean? What, what, what do you think is the heart of the corruption and what would you do about it? Well, I think they've just become complacent in uh, carting out giant wheelbarrows of cash out of the government. And I'll give you an example. So uh, currently there's a broadband initiative to uh, bring high-speed Internet access, like much higher speed, to Pikeville in eastern Kentucky. And they're going to run a broadband sort of trunk line from Lexington in the middle to Pikeville in the east. So meanwhile, about a week ago, I started working on sort of a what-if hypothesis about, you know, so let's say we had unlimited resources. What would it cost to run fiber to every house in the state? And back of the envelope math indicates that's $173 billion, which that's too much. However, what was interesting was is to build sort of the, the skeletal infrastructure around it, just the beginnings, like, you know, from Lexington to Louisville to Pikeville to, you know, the major areas, uh, that figure is $250 million, which is interesting because the Lexington to Pikeville line by itself, according to the state contract, is $300 million. So as somebody who has built broadband networks before for a living, I'd really like to see that technical specification because I suspect there might be something in there that's probably not supposed to be there. So that, that kind of stuff. And I think hide it in plain sight because people can't parse technology, but I can. Right. Uh, maybe like an extra $50 million, uh, in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if it's there, great. You know, we can just hack that right out and keep going. You know, whatever. Oh, you're in a lot of trouble, Drew. Uh, yeah. If you're talking about hacking out $50 million that was going to go into somebody's pocket who's connected in your state, they're going to oppose you. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. I mean, so right now, like, my best hope is that they don't see this coming and I pop up with three weeks to go. Because, But it would be the best thing ever because, you know, I'm not with a party. I didn't sign that deal. I don't owe some rich corporation a bunch of money because they donated a bunch of money to my campaign. So you can totally just clean house on this stuff. So... Okay, let, let's talk more broadly about uh, your policy, because if people are going to vote for you in Kentucky, what are they going to get? Yeah, so initially the idea was, you know, let's stop experimenting with people's lives. So right off the bat, it was, you know, if you can't prove to me that your policy works, then we're not going to do it. And the way to prove that it does work is show me another state where they tried it and it worked. And then assuming that Kentucky is similar enough, we should probably copy that. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, so one of the things I did right out of the gate was I said, OK, what actually are the biggest problems facing the state of Kentucky? And I found a surprising one. It turns out the biggest problem we have is that 12 years ago, the state government stopped paying into the state workers pension fund. And that thing's going to go bankrupt in 2018, three years from now, in the middle of the next governor's uh, administration. So I look at this and I, I swear to God, I almost quit the race because I was like, are you kidding me? The amount of money they need is something like almost 10 times what the available money is to spend on an annual basis for the entire freaking budget. So that seemed like a problem, but I worked on it, and I found kind of a solution, which I can go into ridiculous detail if you want to hear it, but honestly, it's pensions and it's boring. But I, I put all of that up on there, ridiculous levels of detail, five-page spreadsheet up on my website, and here's what I think we ought to do. 
and people started downloading it. And that's been up for about three weeks now. And uh, I have gotten a lot of people saying, wow, this might work. And to which I say, I hope, because nothing's guaranteed. But I've had absolutely nobody say that they think it won't, which is a good start. So meanwhile, the other two guys, no plan. One of them's got a magic pony one. He's going to wave around little create jobs, and that'd be great. I hope he leaves it for me when I win. Uh, and the other guy just doesn't understand the question. So it's, it's kind of a problem because this went from sort of a what-if experiment to if I don't win and they don't implement a plan, I'm going to have to move out of the state. So that's kind of a problem for me. <laughs> so uh, I, I like the idea that you're going to take things that have worked in other states and apply it to your state. Right. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's not how politics works, Drew. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's what needs to change, though. You're right. I mean, that, I get that all the time. It's that, but here's the deal. It's like uh, if I'm the uh, independent governor and we have a legislator, it's, it's like, hey, you know what? You guys, like, here's the things you guys need to pass. And guess what? I have four years to retool the executive if you don't want to cooperate. So, you know, go about your business. But there are so many other problems that are going on that if they don't want to cooperate, then that's kind of on them. I mean, I'm not going to be antagonistic. They're welcome to do whatever they want. But, I, you know, I'm willing to help. Yeah, no, you're, you're supposed to say wherever you live is number one, uh, whether that's true or untrue, yeah. and just stick to what everybody's been doing for decades. So in your case, you're supposed to go, what? Kansas, California, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Kentucky's number one. We rock in basketball. Yeah. yeah. Actually, well, so that's the thing. It's like we're kind of like we're number like 40 to 45 in almost everything, um, <laughs> which, is, which is nice because that means that there's broad room for improvement and honestly it's not bad living here i mean it's it's a pretty pretty nice state we don't have like you know massive crumbling infrastructure like ohio does there's a lot of work to be done go get me wrong but at the end of the day there's a lot of potential here and there's a lot of willingness to do it i mean i was in eastern kentucky and everybody out there you know who has the stereotypical you know banjo playing you know backwoods guys are all talking about broadband networks and learning how to code and to me this sounds like something that we can work with yeah it, man you need a lot of help in politics man things saying things like <laughs> We live in a pretty good state. Pretty good. Yeah. Exactly. Well, like I said, I, I think sort of the genesis of all this, you know, going back to sort of the other reason I jumped in was because I, I see a disruption here. I mean, we all know they're lying. Like you said, you know, it's like, you know, this is what they always do. Yeah, we've heard it a hundred times before. Nobody believes it anymore. And, yeah. and to give you an example of what I mean by that, I was warned by somebody uh, on Reddit, actually, when I did an AMA back when they were still doing those. And uh, it was a guy who said, look, man, I'm in politics and you can't. When somebody asks you a question, you can't say, I don't know the answer. And I was like, well, what if I don't know the answer? And he said, well, you got to deflect and dodge. And I'm like, well, we know you're doing that. You know, <laughs> nobody missed that. Nobody's like, oh, maybe he's just holding back and, you know, has all the answers and is not telling us. I'm like, be honest. Be like, you know, my response has been, you know, I don't really have a great answer for that. What is your solution for it? Because usually the people who are asking the questions are wanting to talk about their idea. And that also helps because as an independent, it doesn't matter who came up with it. We can take a look at all of them. So, Drew, what's funny is that so far, I mean, I, I love what you're saying. I love the idea of your campaign. I love that you're independent. Um, but I don't even know if you're a conservative or a liberal. Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't matter in the sense that it's like, you know, conservative liberal and what? I'm sort of like, a, I'm like socially agnostic, I guess, and I don't spend money I don't have, so I'm not sure what that is. Um, I think that's uh, basically my thing is, you know, if you can prove that it works, I'll do it. And let me give you an example of how this could get even more confusing. So I got asked on, uh, they always ask me about the specific issues, which most of them are just, you know, bread and circuses type things. But uh, one answer that I've got is when I get asked the question about what about uh, religious freedom? Because, you know, Kentucky is a fairly religious state and they want to know where I stand on that. And my response is, well, which version are you talking about, Indiana or Utah? 
So in Indiana, they tried to pass a religious freedom bill, which you may remember everybody got really angry about because it essentially accidentally legalized uh, the Church of Cannabis and Sharia law. Uh, were uh, all qualified because this bill was so badly and vaguely written that you could drive a truck through it. So meanwhile, you look over at Utah, and what happened was is the LDS church decided they wanted religious freedom, but they had noticed that every time they passed one of these things that the LGBT communities got really mad. And they weren't entirely sure why, because it wasn't their gig. But they, they called them up and they asked them. And so they spent a month or two behind closed doors working with the LGBT community to craft what eventually was a religious freedom combination uh, uh, Fairness Act, which was brilliant. And so my response on that is, is that you tell me which one of those you'll send me and I'll tell you which one of those are, I'll sign. I'm not for or against the concept. I'm for or against the execution. Okay, that again seems uh, too wedded to facts. Yeah, I know, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah Drew, you, you, you're a weirdo. Uh, I know, man. <laughs> I tell you what, though, like I said, I mean, I see like people are desperate for this kind of thing. I mean, this is what we all want, right? And just because, like, somebody shows up and is actually logical doesn't mean they don't have a shot. I mean, as I've been telling everybody, it's like if everybody who ever said government is not working comes out and votes, I'll win in a landslide. Hands down. There's no doubt. Yeah. So let's go. So, of course, now you run into the, to the main issue, which is, look, um, I, I'm still not sure if you're a conservative or liberal, but I've gotten to the point where I, I don't care. Uh, because if you really are, are as logical and de- data and fact-driven as as you appear based on this conversation, well, then I don't really care. All I, all I care about is results, and if you're going to be logical, that's that's the most important thing, right? Yeah, I'm just going to do a good job. Like, I feel like I should be running for CEO, you know, not because right. I don't, and again, also, like, even if I did, I need a grand, like, sweeping changes. Like, first of all, I'm campaigning against those, but second of all, I'm the governor, and I don't have anybody in the legislature who's, you know, w- willing to send stuff up. And like I said, I think there's enough work just on the executive side to last me four years. So I'm, I'm willing to help them out if they have any good ideas. But otherwise, I'm just going to you know, make lines at the DMV shorter and fix potholes and things that are really boring like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Although CEO is not quite right either. You are yes. uh, exactly w- what you are in real life, which is a founder, right? Right, because, correct. And founders are not CEOs, correct? Right. The CEOs are guys who are good at politics and who wound up somehow getting to the top level at that company. Founders like you uh, are people who built something, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and and that's like I run a political action committee called Wolfpack to get money out of politics. Oh, and, cool. And we have um, a ton of engineers who are state leaders uh, across the country. Uh, and, I, and I love what one of them said to me. Uh, they came to us because they said engineers work on logic uh, and you can't half build a bridge, right? Yes, true. And, and it's also true of companies. You can't half build a company. Right? Mm-hmm. You either yeah. build it or you don't, right? It's either a success and it continues or it goes under. And so you've got to have a certain degree of logic and willpower, et cetera, to make that happen. And, and obviously you've exhibited that in, in doing FARC.com. Um, so now uh, the main question, though, isn't whether you're right. The main question is how are you going to let people know about it? Because you could be the most right person in the world. And if the uh, Democrats and Republicans drown uh, you in money, which is their intent, because that's what the system is built on, mm-hmm. how do you get the message out where you have a realistic chance of winning? Yeah, so I'm doing ground game. And partly what I've discovered seems to work is by delivering highly specific solutions. Like, you know, my pension plan has a spreadsheet attached to it, downloaded. It's, it's full of all kinds of data and then play with it and get back to me and see what you think. And people have never seen that before. You know, nobody's ever done that. Uh, and I'm working on one for jobs and I'm working on a highly detailed one for technology. 
And what I'm discovering is, is that this is the differentiator, which is basically like one of the guys, other guys released a jobs plan. And it's basically jobs are great. We need more training and that'll fix all our problems. And he's not wrong, but I didn't see a blueprint there. Um, and so, you know, or put another way, as an independent, I was planning on stealing all of the ideas that were good that the other two guys had. And so far, I've been able to steal zero because they don't have anything worth it. So what I'm noticing is resonating is, is that people who are impacted by these very large problems that I'm posting very specific solutions to, such as the pension system, are passing around this information. And I, I, I've, I mean, I've been doing digital media for 17 years, and I've seen many different versions of viral spreads, you know, when like something takes off and goes up into the stratosphere. And this has a viral spread like nothing I've seen before in the sense that it's like it's a slow roll. It isn't blowing up, but it's like it just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger as it's going on. As people who are working for state government find that, oh, wait, I'm not going to slash your benefits. I can actually fund this thing elegantly. They're telling their friends and going, you know what? This guy is the only guy that seems to have any decent ideas. And so and, and I've been telling people, it's like, if you want this to work, you've got to tell 20 people because that's the way to do it. Um, and so we'll just kind of see what the ground game, but the good news is, is that, uh, there's a couple of debates coming up that I'm probably going to qualify for. They stacked it up with all kinds of lockouts like you wouldn't believe, but there's the one last hurdle is show up at 10% in a poll somewhere. And in June I was at six. So I have a feeling that that should be hittable. Okay. Uh, because I think that's going to be the key, Drew. Um, in my experience in politics, putting the kidding aside, I mean, whenever you have an outsider candidate, whether they're in one of the parties like Buddy Romer was in Louisiana, but when he first start, got started, he had no chance. Uh, when Jesse Ventura in Minnesota, who's an independent, obviously. Um, if, getting into debates is the absolute key, because uh, that's where Ventura cleaned up, Romer cleaned up, and a lot of these uh, you know, outsider guys, um, at least uh, there they get free media, right? And yeah. they get exposed to people. Otherwise, your opponents come in and spend a couple million dollars on ads, and they have larger megaphones than you, no matter how right you are, you're standing on a street corner and they're getting into everybody's house with their message, uh, yeah, whether it's right or bullshit. Yeah, I have, I have one final hurdle, like I said, that 10% in the poll, which I probably jumped to 10% the minute it was released, but I'm expecting to see one of those roll out in July or August at the, at the worst. Um, the other advantage I have is this, is that you're right about the money being, you know, uh, you know the big bullhorn that drowns everything out, but I'll tell you, I was looking at you know, the number of independents that ran in 2014. I mean, one almost one in Kansas. And there's a guy in Rhode Island that cleaned up something like 20-some-odd percent of the vote, and he spent $35 on ads. Um, and you know that, to me, shows that with a little more work, I mean, there is already a built-in groundswell of people saying, we're tired of the way things are working. This is not, this is not the government we want. And I've been pitching people, it's like, look, here's the deal. Let's say you don't necessarily know if I can pull this off. Well, I'm only running for four years. These other guys will be back. So why don't you try this for four years, see how it goes. Uh, they're going to bankrupt the state anyway. So it's not like it's, I could do a whole lot worse than that. And then, you know, if it, this turns out to be some kind of a failed experiment, then just vote them back in. But I'll tell you what, I, not only do I not think it'll, you know, that it'll be a failed experiment, I think that it'll be actually sort of the vanguard of what's going to happen in American politics in the next couple of years, because sort of my guilty, uh, my sort of guilty, uh, you know, pleasure, so to speak, is that I don't think I'm, I'm not creating a, a, a groundswell here. I'm catching a wave. Um, this seems to be already in play to me, and um, we'll find out exactly. If anything, I might be a year too early, but well, I don't know. So, yeah, there's a lot I agree with there. I mean, the guy in Kansas was a multimillionaire, so that's a... It helps, yeah. Yeah, that helps. And then the Democratic Party got behind him. So yeah. that, that was a bit of an oddball situation. Rhode Island's a little different, though. 
And, and as you can tell with Ventura and others, it does happen. And I think you're absolutely right uh, that we are right now riding an anti-establishment wave. I mean, with, with Bernie Sanders taking off like a rocket in the Democratic side, I think actually Rand Paul is way, way underestimated on the Republican side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look at what happened to Eric Cantor in Virginia, where a guy with uh, very little money, Dave Bratt, yeah. almost no name recognition, came and unseated him, even though he was the House Majority Leader. And he ran a wildly populist campaign on the on the right wing side. So I, I'm super interested to see uh, how your campaign is going to go. Do you have a campaign website or anything that, pe- that people can go to? Yeah, it's at uh, it's DrewCurtis.com, um, which is being hosted by Nation Builder. And uh, if you go on there, too, it's uh, even if you don't live in Kentucky and you think that this kind of a movement is a good idea, definitely kick in some money. You can go up to a thousand bucks for any U.S. citizen. And the reason why it's important is this is because if you're like me and you think this is on deck, imagine what happens to the cycle if an independent candidate wins in Kentucky in 2015 with this message because it's game on for 2016 at that point. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, It's a fascinating time that we live in. Uh, By the way, we use Nation Builder at Wolfpack uh, as well. Uh, Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great uh, thing because it allows – uh, people with less resources to build infrastructure. So yeah, these are the. And in fact, tools. along that along that line too, uh, I've learned a number of things that have happened along this campaign so far that I will be sort of compiling at the end of this in a in either book or you know maybe large pamphlet form for anybody who's interested in taking a shot. So if anybody is interested, regardless of what happens in November, I've learned a ton of stuff. And if there's anybody out there who thinks they might want to do the same thing. Drop me a line. I will tell you everything I know, and uh, hopefully that will help you pull this off too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love Kentucky. I've been to Kentucky four times uh, for reasons unknown. Uh, so I <laughs> It's awesome. I hope that uh, they get a new direction and, and uh, not the same old dysfunctional government that they've had for a long time. So yeah. Drew Curtis, founder of FARC.com, now candidate for governor in Kentucky um, with uh, clearly fresh new ideas, whether you agree or disagree. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on The Young Turks, Drew. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun.